2021 is about your voice. Make your voice heard by starting your podcast today. We make it happen. Pretty Easy Podcasts makes podcasting pretty easy. Good crisp football. Football fans, it is I, Bryant. That is Alan, and that is Dave Naylor. Uh, Dave, welcome back to the show, man. Big week for the CFL. Yeah, it was, and and it you know it felt like a certainty going into the weekend and and into Monday before that board of governors vote to play. But we've had so many false starts, so many wrinkles, and you know it, it just felt like everybody was kind of on pins and needles. And, and the vote came back very quickly. Uh, you know, it was published as unanimous. I've I've led to believe it actually was unanimous, even though I think they would have announced unanimous anyway. But I, I'm told it was <laughs> unanimous. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're playing on August 5th. And, and, and this is this is really exciting. And look, I'm, I'm happy for everybody. But most of all, I'm, I'm happy for the players. I, I often say football players love football more than any athletes I know love their sport. And, and I don't know why I, I think part of it has to do with, you know, there's such a pain threshold to play professional football, you know, practicing five times for every time that you play, you have to love it. And, and these guys have really, really missed it. I mean, the money aside that they haven't been earning over the time, but I think you're going to see a lot of joy on the field when training camp begins here. Uh, well, I know you're going to see a lot of joy, at least on the show and in the stands as well. Players, I'm sure, are also ready to, to get on the field after missing almost two years, really, uh, of playing football. Uh, how huge is this, though, for the CFL's future? And and in reality, I kind of thought of what would a no vote have meant for the CFL if that had happened? You know, I, I'm probably a little bit counterintuitive on both those subjects, right? Like, I, I think one thing we got to be careful of here is that, okay, they're going to play it's going to look like the CFL, the revenues are going to start flowing. I mean, Saskatchewan's premier came out yesterday and said, you know, we're going Texas, right? Everybody into the stadium, full capacity, no, no restrictions. You know, it's all sounds like good news. Unfortunately, I think it's all a bit of a mirage in terms of the overall health of the league, because the the systemic issues that were there leading into the pandemic, which were exaggerated by the pandemic, are still going to be there. And every team's going to lose a boatload of money this year. And so we're going to get to the end of 2021 with, you know, teams having absorbed massive losses for 2020 and significant losses for 2021 and still some real critical questions about the business model of the CFL. So I don't want to be the rain on the parade guy. I want to celebrate that the CFL is coming back. But, you know, my business is truth, uh, not just, you know, rose colored glasses and rainbows. And I think we got to be realistic that that. As, as huge as this is to get the league back, and, and I think it's it, it was significant in a lot of ways, it, it doesn't cure all the CFL's ills. Now, had they not played, you know, I think the danger would have been if they not played, is every team still willing to fund this thing, you know, for another 12 months or 10 months till we get to play? Are there, are there nine owners that are saying, yep, I'm going to continue to fund this to get us to 2022? Um, and and I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, you know, in terms of like the league going, there's always this mentality that like if a league goes away, it could never come back because people will totally forget about it. And, you know, it, it just could never come back once you get to a certain point. <laughs> not on this point. show. No, not, I mean, you guys are XFL guys. You guys went 19 years without your league, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, you know, I always go back to the NHL lockout, right? About 405, people are like, oh, they can't miss a year. I was probably saying that. I bet if I look at what I was saying, it was like, you cannot miss a year. 
And then I, I was covering the NHL when it came back in 05, 06, and it was like hell's a popping, right? Like people couldn't wait for it. It was way more absence made the heart grow fonder than out of sight, out of mind. There were people last summer saying, well, the CFL doesn't play. That's it. Well, here we are, right? And there's this great enthusiasm for what's going to happen in six or seven weeks. I mean, you know, Ottawa went eight years without a team. And, they, you know, the enthusiasm that came back there was nothing like it had ever been in the previous incarnation. So I'm not one of these people who believes that if you go a certain amount of time without playing, that that's it. You can never come back. But I, I will subscribe to the premise that it is very exciting and very significant that the league is back. And and we could get into how that might play into the whole XFL collaboration or not. I, have a, I really don't know, but I have a couple of theories which are totally contradictory. So it's not going to really help you, but but I, I do have some. Thoughts. Yeah, oh, but, but we will def- we definitely want to hear him, David. And yeah, like like you said, coming back is a great thing overall. Like pushing it off another year in this in this you know world we live in, where instant gratification. If something goes away like that, it's like it's it's gone forever. I mean, that's what, how people will react. So in the end, I think it's a good decision. The CFL Board of Governors voted unanimously whether or not that's true or not. That's uh, a great thing, and I'm super pumped for the CFL to come back. We have the XFL negotiations going on during the season, presumably, which might help with the overall health of the league, even if it is, you know, like you said, not all rose-colored and looking all great, even though they are coming back. So with the XFL negotiations going on as the 2021 season progress, progresses do you anticipate any kind of movement during the season or announcement i'm sure behind the scenes but we all have all these ndas that we talk about every single week do you think we'll see any movement publicly between the cfl and the xfl or at least the rocket a cfl game hopefully in 2021 well it's funny that the rocket a cfl game was certainly a thought that i had uh you know when i started thinking about things might happen in 2021 in fact I was on a, a state, TSN radio in Toronto the other day, and the host, Brian Hayes, asked me a great question. He said, okay, here we go. Saskatchewan at Winnipeg, packed stadium, you know, like the heart of the CFL, and the rock gets flashed up on the screen. What's the reaction? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was a great question. <laughs> and I honestly don't know. You know, I think I said 60-40 positive or something like that. But I, you know, I, I, I honestly, it, it, would, it would be a guess. Uh, like, Look, I'm hopeful that we might learn something about this sooner than later. I, I, look, it has the league's done a good job of keeping the focus on the return to play. And right from the start, they insisted that return to play and XFL-CFL collaboration were on parallel tracks. That there was not, one was not, and there was all kinds of speculation in the media, you know, oh, they won't play this year unless Redbird funds it and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? Which I never found a sniff of truth in any of that. I'm not saying I know for sure it wasn't true, but there was no conversation I was ever a part of that led me to believe that that was actually the case. And I don't believe that that's what's got us here. Um, So, you know, in in terms of when we find something out, you know, I had some indication. I thought we might find something out perhaps before the season, you know, in terms of like at least a direction of of some kind. I I really don't know if that's the case at all. I am when I know stuff, you guys, you guys know, I'll sound very certain about what I'm talking about. And when I don't know mm-hmm. stuff and I'm purely just speculating on intuition, I will be clear about the difference. And I am out here on the speculating and using <laughs> intuition. Uh, I, I thought we might find something out before this season. It is really, really tight and locked down. Um, it, it's kind of going to be bizarre, though, because we've got this season playing out. You've got you're going to have a real celebration of it. You know, the Canadian League and the Canadian Football League coming back. And then you have this other drama playing out behind it. Um, you know, it, it's, 
it's hard to imagine we would get to December 12th to be handing out the Grey Cup and everybody would just walk off for Christmas and still not know what's going on with the XFL thing. I, like, I, I can't imagine we're going to go through an entire season as much as it might be a bit of a distraction. I, th- I still think it's possible we might find something out before the season starts. Um, I, I don't know how you play that one out. It, it's really, it's a, you know, in terms of timing and communication strategy, it's a tricky one. I mean, I think you actually would like to sort of play out the entire season hand out the Grey Cup and, you know, then four days later send out a press release and say, oh, by the way, you know. And the, the real intriguing question to me is what's 2022 going to be, right? Like I've always, always said, 2021 yeah. was either we're going to play or we're not. We know what the economics of the league are going to be. There's still a CBA. They're going to amend it. 2022 is a curious one for me because at the end of this year, you know, again, I think they're going to have to do a bit of a hand count about how many owners are still committed to this league because of the economics. And then I'm talking about, you know, the big markets, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Are the owners there committed to, you know, making making those markets sustainable or after coming through the pandemic and the first year out, are they looking forward to saying, nah, you know, we're not really sure we want to do this anymore? That, that, that really is the question. Um, and if there's an XFL collaboration and a new league coming, I think we've all reached the conclusion that that league is not coming in 2022. Like that's a 2023 mm-hmm. project. Um, you know, I reported that, I think, on our draft show, you know, on May the 5th. Uh, nobody called me out on it. And usually, you know, I was, I was taking a bit of a leap of faith on that one. But if I was wrong, somebody would have called me out on that one. Um, and no one did. So I think we can say safely 2023 is, is the place. So what's the 2022 CFL season going to be? Or, or is it possible well, we could have the Grey Cup handed out and then we'll say, see you in 16 months for the collaboration? Yes. Like, I, I don't know. Well, like, that's if this you, is all speculative. Yeah, if you take the XFL out of the equation for a right. second, though, like, think of it as just CFL. If you get to December 2021, you would think the CFL has already announced their plan for 2022. You'd and have so, to, yeah, you'd have to right? know what I mean, you're doing. Yeah. If you're coming in April, that's five months away. Like that, 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 there's a lot of question marks there. So I would think that we're going to learn something before the end of the CFL season. I, I, from a practical standpoint, it feels like we have to, right? Um, from a communication standpoint, um, you know, I, it, it would be tricky. <laughs> like it would be really tricky because you're going to, you know, you're look, your existing fan base is probably, I think negative on the xfl okay there are, there are some of your existing fans that are very uh positive on it but i think the majority of your existing fan base this is and this whole thing is going to be a you know do we trade do we risk pissing off some of what we have to attract what we think might be out there for our future that's what this whole calculation comes down to but the immediate reaction mm-hmm. is is probably going to be more negative than positive and, you know, dropping that balloon in the middle of the season, uh, you know, it, it, it might be a little bit tricky. But I, I, I tend to think you're right. Just from a practical standpoint, the teams will need to know, you know, what are we doing heading into the offseason? Because the other thing is the, the CFL has a bit of a dead business zone. And it goes from kind of mid-December to mid-January where teams basically shut down. It's one of the things actually – you know, uh, coaches and GMs actually like about this league as opposed to working in the NFL is there actually is an off season. Like you can go to Hawaii for a month, you know, like, and, and not do anything basically. Uh, and that's really December, early January is kind of where that, that kicks in for the CFL. So if you haven't announced something by the gray cup, you're really talking about probably the latter part of January. And, uh, look, teams would, 
obviously making massive significant decisions by that time for the 2022 season so yeah the more the more you, you lead me in this conversation the more i think we absolutely have to know something before the end of the year and as i say i, I think it's possible we could know something significant before kickoff for sure and you mentioned the the fan bases too and i think you know fan bases want information yeah. Whether it's the XFL, the CFL, everybody wants, everyone has an opinion. They want to give their opinion. They want to feel something towards a league. Uh, and that just got me kind of actually thinking, like, what was the original kind of fan base thought or what did everyone think? Or even, in, um, you know, maybe the, the, the owners and all the league personnel, when the XFL originally announced that they were going to come back, like, was it a worrisome or they're like, Hey, it's the XFL. It's, it's okay. We're fine. Or were they kind of worried and thinking about this back in 2018, 2019? Let me back you up a little bit to before the Alliance of American football kicked off. Okay. Because that was the one that scared the bleep out of everybody. Okay? The XFL was kind of like, you know, we'll see when we get there, you know, and we saw the XFL in 2001. Um, but the, the alliance was the one that people really thought maybe had figured it out, interestingly enough, <laughs> given what happened, uh, that, you know, league imploded financially after six weeks. But, you know, they seemed to be have a really, you know, their pay structure made sense. They had a lot of support for players, you know, in terms of, you know, transitioning out of football and things like that. And I remember in, let's see, the XFL played in 2020, the AAA played in 2019. So I remember uh, in August of 2018, GMs in the CFL freaking out because all of a sudden they couldn't sign players because they'd call, they'd call a guy and say, hey, you know, uh, we're looking for a defensive back. When can you get on a plane and get out here? Sorry, man, I'm going to the AAF. Like their whole negotiation list were just full of guys saying no. And I had GMs calling me and saying, I've never had more trouble getting a player to Canada than I'm having right now. And we need to be dealing with this and we need to be talking about this. And there were all kinds of other issues floating around the league at that time. But, but the one that was really had the attention, at least the football personnel, was the, was the AAF. Like, what's our response going to be? What are we going to do? So, of course, the AAF comes up. They play six weeks. They implode. They're gone. So by the time the XFL came around again, everybody was kind of like, okay, our best strategy on this stuff is wait and see, right? We've been around mm -hmm. in some form for 100 years. Um, you know, we've weathered lots of storms, including alternate leagues. And our strategy has always been focus on ourselves, ignore what's going on outside, and we will stand the test of time and they won't. And that's what happened. Now, the XFL, you know, when, when people say twice failed league, and I know there's a lot of jokes about that and things that, you know, we obviously acknowledge that one of those failures was beyond their control, like beyond anything anybody could have done. Um, but but no, I, I I don't think people were it was almost like the experience with the AAF had reminded everybody that, you know, we'll worry about this once these other leagues prove that they're sustainable. There was a bit of panic, actually. I don't know if you guys know this. There was a talk about an XFL-CFL collaboration back in 2001. Um, and it was, in fact, Jeff Giles, who was a commissioner of the day, I, I called him about two weeks ago to say, hey, remind me of how this went. And I, I think it was that he called Vince McMahon looking to see if he was interested in owning the Toronto Argonauts because at that time the Argos needed an owner. And he wasn't interested, but he had he was going to start his own football league. And, well, could they collaborate? And and Jeff Giles, like, took that conversation to the Board of Governors, and it lasted about 10 seconds. Like, it was like, it just went, he just said it went nowhere. But, you know, that's 20 years ago. Yeah, that was a different uh, Vince McMahon in terms of uh, the business world and, and people wanted to make deals. I think if that happened in 2018, it might have been a different uh 
conversation. But you you bring up the AAF and then the XFL. You said wait, pe- them waiting to see if these leagues would be sustainable, and you see the XFL before the pandemic seemingly looked like they were on the right track. So I have to believe that that informed the the CFL board of governors and Randy Ambrosi and everybody involved in the negotiations now saying, you know, we did have issues getting players and that was before things were looking good for a spring league. Cause I've been saying now that we're, we're going to get into the USFL in a minute, but the, the last few months, a spring league is going to hit. It's going to last in the United States. One of them is going to hit. It's just a matter of time and who who's going to have the right timing. And now it looks like we have multiple leagues uh, making the attempt again coming up. You have the USFL making a return with Fox. And it looks like it kind of just looks like a rebranding of the Spring League that's currently going on, Dave. But uh, I'm sure they're going to pump a little bit more money into it. What are your thoughts on the return of the United States Football League uh, impacting the XFL-CFL alignment? Well, I guess the first thing is, it's going to be called the USFL and they're going to use UFL, USFL team names and logos. But like, if I call my house Graceland, does that mean it's Graceland? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? Like, like it's got Depends the name well you and, and yeah. the logo, but you know what I'm saying? The, the USFL was a straight up competitor to the national football league that, you know, went after the top players coming out of college and existing NFL stars. I mean, people forget Chris Collinsworth was a USFL player, you know, after he, after Cincinnati. Billy Sims, you know, like guy Brian Sipe. You know, never mind the guys, the Herschel Walkers and the guys, you know, they got coming out of college and, and such. I mean, they were they were rating legit NFL stars. Now, in this day and age, that is blow your brains out money, right? Which ultimately is what the USFL did anyway. The original, but I, but I can't believe that in this day and age that somebody would have enough money, television money or others to actually go down that road. Okay. So let's assume they're not going to until we find out otherwise. So they're going to do it the same way every other spring league has done it, which is capitalize on the fact that there is a surplus of talented football players that will play for very, very little money. In fact, the spring league found out how little, like for nothing or actually pay to play, right? If you, when it, if it's, if it's a short enough season. So uh, look, I find it weird calling it the same when they say the USFL is coming back, right? Because even the Doug Flutie promotional video, oh, it was great. We had these guys and these guys and these guys, and this new league is going to have none of that. <laughs> like that's, you know, it's, yeah. so, so it's, <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I struggle with calling it the return of the USFL. But let's, for once we've got that out of the way, look, I, I, I'm, it does feel like the evolution of the Spring League, right? Um, and I and I actually communicate with Brian Woods, the CEO of the Spring League, and asked him, is, is this the Spring League evolved or is this like a separate entity? And he said, it's a separate entity, future of the Spring League to be determined. So, you know, one may disappear and the other may replace it. Call it what you want. But this is certainly the people behind the Spring League that are, that are going to do this. It's really, really tough to judge this league because we don't, they've reviewed, released so few details, right? Like the USFL is back. Period. That's it. Um, and until we learn more, like what their pay structure is going to be, what their season is going to be, uh, who their coaches are going to be, where they're playing, what cities, all those kind of things. It, you know, it, it's, it's, I always joke that every one of these leagues, and God, I'll give the XFL credit because they actually didn't do this, their second incarnation. Like Memphis and Birmingham are on the passport of every one of these leagues. Like, you know what I mean? It's like you do an alternate football league, you're going to Memphis and you're going to Birmingham, which, by the way, the <laughs> CFL went to both those places, right? So, 
anyway, but the, the XFL in this most recent did not. <laughs> um, but I, I guarantee I somehow feel like that's where, you know, the US, the USFL will be. Um, yeah, it, it's really tough to judge. Now, now I, I know some people associated with that league or, and, and maybe to put it more, a little more specifically, I know some people who are close to people who are in association. And I, and some word is filtered to me that they are, uh, you know, very bullish on what they're going to do and not really scared of the CFL XFL collaboration, which kind of I find interesting as well, since I, I suspect they probably don't know much more about it than, than you or I do in terms of, you know, the, the secrecy and the lockdown nature of it. Um, but put, look, count me in the skeptical corner on the USFL. You know, and I know, look, the fact that Fox is behind it and has an equity stake matters, but is it, is it a hundred thousand dollar equity stake? Is it a hundred million dollar equity stake? I mean, you could, you know, it could be anything. Um, there have been a number of spring leagues I'm, I'm thinking you guys, I don't know you that well, but I'm thinking you're both, you know, pretty serious students of alternative professional football. So, uh, so you guys, I'm sure are aware of leagues that have been on the drawing board that never, ever play, right? the professional spring football league of 1992, mm-hmm. uh, the, which was supposed to play its red, white, and blue bowl at RFK stadium. Um, in, in June of 1992, they never played a game. Uh, there was the a league. Remember the a league? It was somewhere on a whiteboard. Forget who was behind that one. But so there've been a number <laughs> and, and I don't want to say that, that, that I know enough to say the USFL will never play, but I would say enough to say that if somehow they didn't play, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. And I, and I, I'm not trying to be cynical or skeptical of them. I just don't know enough details you can't put out a press release that says the usfl is back and nothing else and and ask me to believe that you're you know everything yeah. you're doing so so i'm, I'm going to reserve judgment but i but i do put myself in a, a slightly skeptical camp on the on the uh, on the usfl yeah and especially and if you're I kicking can... off in 10 months like you're saying yeah. right like that's you can't just put out a piece of paper right you got to come shoot. up with some <laughs> Yeah, just I mean, the Doug Flutie video with him wearing a cool general's hat or whatever he was wearing. I mean, the logo's coming back, it's exciting, and I, we'll be able to buy that merch. I think, at least if anything, Dave, even if they never play, they have yeah, the rights to all the logos. Exactly. It's just the you know the identity of that league is is kind of the one spring league that worked, right? Um, yeah. But it was also the one spring league that that's you know again had legit star players i i was like here's a little usfl trivia for you uh i, I think this is right but it's out of, of it's, it's in my head no one told it to me but who are the last three active players from the usfl like three guys that played in that league where there were the last three that were still playing professional football i'm gonna say doug flutie one uh reggie white two Ooh. herschel walker no no, missed on the third. This guy played for the Memphis Showboats. He played a little bit in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he played a long time in Canada and still lives in Canada, actually. Oh, man. You, may, you guys may not know him. <laughs> stump me. Yeah, yeah he stumped me. One of the greatest returners in CFL history, Henry Gizmo Williams. You guys know that, that name? name? I've heard the name Gizmo. You gotta, yes, I, you got to get on and Google him and, and get, get some more, some get some more gig, Gizmo highlights after this one. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was tremendous, and and I say still a guy who lives in the Edmonton area, and I, I believe those are the last three active USFL players. So there you go. It's it's a hell of a history that league. So if if anything, someone just at least capitalizing on the USFL is a smart thing. So. We'll see what they do. But the thing, interesting thing to me, Dave, is that Fox is involved. Like you said, we don't know by, with yeah. how much stake they have in it. But 
for them to put that just put that out and it was all over their TV mm-hmm. that day too. Like they're pu- putting it out there. So I I have to believe at least an entity like Fox Sports would you know think carefully before doing anything like that cuz it would look kind of like egg all over the face especially when you have another league like the XFL coming back which presumably will be competition or will it be is there room for three le- three leagues the CFL the XFL and the USFL to all play in the same same year the same calendar year football year round with the NFL well, we, we always, I think, kind of lull ourselves into this, that there are so many players, right? There, But there is a limit. on Because if you're saying you can just delve into the player pool forever, then what you're saying is the quality of players don't matter. Because obviously, the further you go down, the lower the quality of the players becomes. So if you're going to string it over, you know, especially with, you know, National Football League rosters are, are bigger now in this last CBA, yeah, they're right? Expanding. Their practice mm-hmm. rosters are bigger. So they're eating up more of the player pool without even adding teams. Then you throw in XFL. And, and then I guess the question is going to be also, like, what are the, the economics of those leagues going to be, right? And if you're getting paid $10,000 more in one league versus another, that's significant for when you're talking about, you know, real mm-hmm. people money. Uh, and, and, like, and that's, again, when you look at what Fox got out of the Spring League, right? They, I don't know what they were paying for the Spring League, but that had to be the cheapest programming in the history of television. Right? You're not even paying the players. So I, I assume <laughs> that's kind of going to be... <laughs> That, that's their entry point, right? Is that it's very cheap programming that, that on a per, what it costs them per dollar produce pretty good ratings. Yeah. Um, but, but back to your question, I, look, I, look, I don't think there's room for two spring leagues. And we thought that when the AAF and the XFL were both planning back. So, okay, this is going to be, there's no way this is sustainable to have two leagues playing concurrently, right? The CFL, now we don't know when the spring league is going to play. The spring league could be playing, you know, February, March, April, for all we know. And, and the XFL, CFL could be playing April to August, which I think if they, if they do it, that's where they're going to play. But um, yeah, I think, I think there are real limits to the number of players that you can take out of the pool and still have, you know, have quality football. And that's, it's, there, there's lots and lots of, of, of players, but I, at a certain point, I think you're going to start to see diminishing returns. So no, I, I think it, I think that's a real issue. And I think it's going to take, it's a, it's a problem that's going to take care of itself. We know yeah. there's when you say somebody's going to make it work in the spring, there's going to be a sustainable spring league. I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, as much as I've been a, a skeptic about spring football, you know, most of my life, I do see things happening now in terms of the importance of live programming, the continued popularity of football as the number one sport, and the gaming part that comes in that that may be enough to push this across the line in a way that it never has. Um, but you know, to to imagine more than one league surviving in the spring, I I cannot. I, I just it. It's, yeah, that's, that's going to be a, a battle of attrition, right? Most of us have come around to finally saying, "Okay, I think a spring league could work," yeah. but now that's, they're asking us for multiple for spring leagues yeah. at the same time. That's Doesn't a little over the sense. top. No, and, yeah. and and you know the the XFL thing. Let's be honest; it's gonna if it happens, the CFL it's it's gonna be a spring summer league, right? And mm-hmm. and football in the summer actually makes a lot of sense. You know, like it it's it's it, it, there's you're not like think of your competition in the summer. NBA? Nope. NFL? Nope. Baseball. Nope. That's it. Yep. NHL? Nope. It's, it's MLS, which I don't watch. Um, and <laughs> based on viewership, like a lot of people that don't watch. They, I mean, it's it really, it's, it's more of an attendance league than it is a television league. And that's, that's k- true here in Toronto where the MLS franchise has been wildly successful. Um, you know, they, they pack their stadium, but they don't, but the Argos do better TV ratings. You know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, and so you're not, it's not a major force in television. And then it's baseball, right? And baseball is on all the time. People, 
don't stop their lives for a baseball game very often, right? It's unless you're a baseball addict. It's not it's not appointment viewing as much as especially in the middle of the summer, the dog days of summer. It's something that's always around. So yeah, I think we're probably spending, you know, too much time focusing on how do you make it work in the spring and not enough time looking at the like and I've always thought this on the CFL guys. Like why is the CFL not have a television contract in the US in July and August, you know, to get like what are they up against, right? And and yeah. I there were times that I that when there were like there were CFL games on tape delay, like on you know ESPN two and stuff, and I'd look at the ratings and then I'd look at some like MLS live ratings and I'm like, don't these guys have like a giant TV contract and they're getting beat by CFL games on tape delay, right? And I, I'm I'm not talking about it as a rule, but I remember looking at stuff like that, right? That that it just felt like with the and, and this is maybe one of these things that I'm sure they've tried. I'm, I'm not smarter than the people who work in the CFL offices over the last 20 years. I'm sure they've had these conversations. But when you do have some household names from U.S. college and you're playing football and there's no other football being played in North America, it's always filled like the CFL has been sort of sold short as a television entity you know, in, in the U.S. And you know, we'd always see that you know, a kick return or a great interception or someone would make the highlights on ESPN when there was no other football on. And it just felt like there was more of an opportunity there. So when I, when I look at the potential of, you know, XFL, CFL collaboration. I don't so much get excited about, you know, football in, you know, April and May as I do thinking about the potential of it in the U S in June, July, and August. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that too. And we've talked about the scheduling, Brian, the, the, at least going into July a little bit, I think we've, we've said would be a good idea. Brian's a real stickler for for when the schedule would be oh, for the alignment of the leagues he's he's a big fan of give, that give me your schedule i haven't, I haven't had right. a chance to dive into the cfl sk- schedule but i mean oh i love goodness. i mean it's all about even and balance and making sure yep. you play the right teams all the time it's you know this if let's just say dave if the two leagues were to merge i i hate the idea of keeping the cfl and the xfl separate i feel oh. like it should be together like everything should no conferences like make divisions i want to see bc play seattle like these are the things that you want to see yeah i know that's probably not what's being discussed but it's just it's, you know i want information and, I, you know and, and, yeah i mean i was thinking at first you'd be better to go kind of north south right in terms of conferences like afc nfc but then I, i'm thinking if your if your problem is you know in the major markets that the league seems sort of too traditionally canadian yeah you want toronto playing dc you know playing dallas playing houston right you don't want them just playing saskatchewan and winnipeg and and all that and you know in terms of the leagues really operating separately and like coming together for playoffs or some championship game or something like that i'm led to believe that is not you know that this is going to be more of a we're all in or we're not in at all kind of operation it's not going to be hey let's have a championship game at the end of the year our champ plays your champ and we'll hybrid the no it's going to be like we're more like the creation of a new league now that doesn't mean that there couldn't be real uh you know, NFC, C, uh, AFC type conferences where your schedule will be weighted against your own conference. I and mean, I don't think that's terrible. I just, the more I've been thinking about it, you might want to have everybody in the mix, you know, rather than just, you know, mostly Canadian teams playing Canadian teams and American teams playing American teams. Uh, television would play into that a lot. So, I mean, obviously, you know, TSN, my employer, you know, whenever, same thing in, in any sport, if we have two Canadian teams playing each other, whether it's MLS or NHL, that, we get to draw on two Canadian markets to produce the rating, right? And same thing in the U.S. if you're talking about this league. So I'm sure that there would likely be, just for television purposes, whoever the XFL, CFL's television partners in the U.S. probably wants a lot of U.S.-U.S. matchups. And and in Canada, we would still want Canadian-Canadian matchups because it just I think for television, you're going to draw bigger audiences that way. 
Well, yeah, I remember yeah. the old NHL deal. I think uh, was it um, was it uh, was it CSN? No, I forget. I, 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 They've CBC. been with everybody, man. <laughs> no, CBC. So, yeah, they were with so, CBC. Yeah, yeah. CBC had the first two choices of the playoffs, right? And no right. matter what the playoff matches were, it would always go for the Canadian matches, yep. right? So yep. if there was two, if there was like a Toronto, they would always go there, and if there was like an Ottawa and whoever, they would always go there. Yeah, so and, I totally and, get and what you're H- saying. Yeah, and NHL audiences tend to be very very regionally focused right not as much in canada as in the u.s but i still think they're way more regional than people acknowledge so so for this upcoming cfl season dave i mean now we've we've kind of covered everything else that's going on in addition to the big season everybody's been waiting now two years for we have xfl talks the usfl's uh, coming back the uncertain future of the cfl do you and Canadian CFL fans feel like the stakes are raised on the 2021 season? Like, like you even kind of mentioned it earlier, like this might be it for another 16 months. Who knows? I mean, what, what the future is for the CFL. So this is a, a pretty big 14 game season coming up. Yeah, It, it is. And I, I think just because of all the uncertainty, wanting to see that the league can pull this off, the quality of the game and just, just the, the league is back when there was, there was some real uncertainty about whether it would be back. And, and you know, really, if there hadn't been a vaccine, roll out as quickly as there was, there wouldn't have been bad. I, there was no, there was no plan B for the CFL. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. And it, so I do think there's a lot at stake in, in terms of, you know, the owners have to feel like this league has a future. And if it's a season that feels like this league doesn't have a future, you know, that's, that's going to be challenging. But I, I do believe there's going to be a lot of enthusiasm. I think there's going to be a lot of people rushing back to the parks and, and I, I don't think we're, I think we're going to see more absence making the heart grow fonder for CFL football then we are out of sight, out of mind. Now, I have two schools of thought about how this season could play into the XFL possibility, and they are completely contradictory, and I don't know which one I believe. So here, so here they are. Um, <laughs> one is the CFL has a great season. The crowds return. Uh, the economics are better than anybody imagines, and the absence and the, and the, you know, the, brush with death that if the CFL had, if you consider it that far, I don't want to say they had a brush with death, but a, they had to, they had to face their own mortality. Let's just put it that way. At some, at some point along during the pandemic, um, you know, leads to a rejuvenation. You could look at that and say, well, well, maybe, maybe we don't need the XFL collaboration at all. Okay. That would be one way. Or you could look at it and say, this gives us an opportunity to go to the table with the XFL from a position of strength. You know, we're not the desperate league that's dying on the vine that's saying to the XFL, save us. We're the, you know, 50, 50 year old league or 60 year old league that uh, that's really been around. Our teams have been around for 100 years. Um, we have established fan bases. We have good television ratings. We know we've got to evolve from the future, but we're we're coming to the table from a position of strength, not one of desperation. If we don't have to do a deal that doesn't make sense and we can bargain you know, from our own, from a position of strength, not co- totally weakness. Now, the, that's one way of looking at it the other one would be if this year is a disaster if the fans don't come back uh, you know if it's uh if it's if if the economics are worse than people think if there's a if there's a blah about cfl football and the owners are getting frustrated does that force them back into, into an xfl conversation because and this is what i think brought them to the xfl in the first place they don't want to say this but it's desperation it's a crisis okay that's what brought them to the table they don't want to, and so if you're still in crisis mode does that force you into the XFL's arms? Um, you know, I tend to think that it's probably 
more likely that a crisis drives the XFL process than than strength. That that now I, now it, it may be neither, right? This thing may have its own life, and that the 2021 season that we talked about being kind of you know parallel to the whole XFL process, it, it may have no bearing on it at all. Like this this may be hey we've got to think about the next 20 to 50 years of our league and what happens in the next four months really is, is going to be important to us, but it doesn't really speak to our future. So what we do with the XFL is going to be independent. That that's probably the way to look at that, but we know humans are emotional and they have short-term memory and they react to what they see immediately. So yeah, if, if it was a really desperate year for the CFL, I think that would probably, you know, sway some, thoughts and minds more towards, I mean, more towards willing to, it's all about a risk reward with the XFL. So if, if this is a disastrous CFL season, would it sway some of the owners to accept a little more risk on the XFL possible collaboration? I think it would. Um, but I'd also, I say it, would, it might put the league at a slightly better bargaining position. Anyway, I gave you guys just a whole like swimming pool of thoughts. Most of those things I've, contradict yeah. the things I said earlier in the conversation. <laughs> We're pretty early in this, but these are the kind of things that have been swirling around yeah. in my mind, just trying to figure out, well, how's Same. this how's this season going to play out and affect the 2020, what, what they do with the XFL? And um, yeah, obviously the answer is I don't know because I just threw a whole you know garbage load of thoughts at you guys. Dave, I've had a lot of the same thoughts as well about what this season uh, might mean for for the negotiations and the implications. But also, ultimately, I am kind of siding on. I don't think it really matters. I, I think don't think it does either. They, they, <laughs> yeah, they're the, the what we know about the CFL business model. Wh- that is what has brought them to the table yeah. with the XFL and the future of the league. Like you said, the next twenty to fifty years is what's at stake. So they're well, thinking long term here. Yeah, and we know the CFL's business model is not going to be great this year. It might be better than they expect. Might be worse, but even better than they expect is still going to mean losses for every team across the board this year. And we, it, it's a virtual certainty. Well, it speaks a lot to the to the owners willing to take that risk because they do see a future, and with that. I would think the future uh, is with the XFL. So I think everyone should at least enjoy the 2021 season and hope that in 2022 or 2023, things are getting better and better for both. Let me throw one more at you guys here. And I may have mentioned this to you when I was on your show before, but when you, we talk about what the 2022 season, what would you think Because this idea has been tossed out there and not, you know, from not from people that don't aren't associated with it, that, you play the, the, the XFL-CFL collaboration, if it's a go for 2023, uh, and you're going hybrid rules, okay? Like it's going to be, I'm just going to make up the, the principles here, four-down football, bigger end zones, wider field, okay? Um, what would you think if the CFL came back in 2022 with its nine teams and played a year with the new rules as a transition for its existing teams into the 2023 season? I, I would be I would be all for that. I think that would make sense to you know give people a taste of what's to come. Uh, I feel like in Canada they'll have a different <laughs> yeah. thought on that. See, I'm yeah. not big on uh, soft that, launches. Yeah. I'm kind of like you know yeah. what, like because because if it goes <laughs> badly, right? Think about what that does to your 2023. Like I just I I just think yeah. it's it invites a scenario that you do not want to contemplate, and that is that you roll out this new game and you pissed off all your existing fans and not attracted the new ones because you're not really a new league you're you're old enough to still yeah. keep the old, the new fans away potentially but new enough to piss off your existing fans i, I just i worry that yeah. could happen I, 
I'm also coming out if, if we're doing uh, a, a merge and you know and the, all the hypotheticals there. I, I am these days leaning more towards like an MLB situation, AL with a slightly different rule than the NL, slightly. CFL conference with slightly different now, that rules would be, than the in football, XFL. That would be you know that <laughs> that the, the problem with that is that if you're talking about like the two games right now, right the 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 CFL and the, well, yeah, like what do you do with that, you know, 340 pound nose tackle in this Canadian football game? Because <laughs> he, he's not running side to side, right? Like, it's like, like, it's like, like and there's not, it, it, there's not enough of a need to just stuff the gaps in the middle of the line of scrimmage, you know, with that guy. So, so there are oh, certain, he's like the DH. Yeah. He, he becomes <laughs> the DH. He doesn't play when you go to Canada. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah there's, I, uh, I always tell Alan, it's like in, in baseball, people complain about the DH being yeah. in two leagues or not in one league. Yeah. One. Imagine just playing in different fields, different rules, different amount. Of, it just seems well, too asinine for my brain to even. Well, you guys have, I'm sure, found like the stuff from the 1960s, right? About like CFL and NFL. Uh, exhibition games, right? Where they where they actually did that. In fact, I believe that, in the pro, yeah. the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I believe there's a program of a Chicago Bears at Montreal Alouettes game, or vice versa, right? Like it's it's oh, actually in camp because uh, I remember like taking a picture with my phone or something and like you know shooting it out or whatever. <laughs> so there and there, I think you know the the Argos played was it the Steelers or the Cardinals when the Cardinals were in St. Louis at that time. Like there were, there were a handful of games that were done like that. Right. Which is amazing to think, cause it's not that long ago that this took place. So, and they, and they did, I, I forget what they did with the rules. I think they kept it consistent for an entire game, but, but obviously they had to choose one set or they weren't playing a half of one and a half of another, but I don't know. It would be, it would be really tricky because the rules are significantly different enough, at least the way the games are right now. I mean, we didn't even get into the kicking game, right? Like, which is special teams is totally different stuff. So, oh well, people well, people are loving the XFL yeah. kicking game, Dave. Oh yeah, that's there's a that big, too. That's a yeah, big sticking point. Yeah, no, I love yeah. the XFL kicking. Well, game. No, I thought that was brilliant. And a lot of the people that were involved with the XFL in 2020 aren't there anymore. But there was right. a lot of pride taken into into that rule book. So to, to see it blown up kind of hurts. Right, and I'm sure on the CFL side it would hurt too. But I think I think both leagues are going to take a, a look at this and 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 do their homework. They're not just going to say how you know hypothetically we're saying wider field, you know, uh, four downs. Everything has to make sense, and I'm hoping that whatever the rules may be, that they did the due diligence and actually figure out what's best for both leagues. It, it'd be, it's a fascinating process, you know. Like we were talking about it even at, at, at TSN one day about how. It's almost like if you went into a pizza restaurant and they give you that, you know, build your own pizza, right? And you can say, well, and, and that's, this is kind of like, you know, if they, if the leagues go down this road, it, it's going to be kind of like that, right? Everyone's eaten lots of pizza in their lives, but you get a chance to build your own. Everybody's watched lots of football. We've seen some different versions. Okay. What if you had to build your own game? What would, what would you involve? What would you add? What are the best elements of, of all of them? Like the XFL kickoff rule. When I watched that, I thought, I thought that's brilliant because you know, the issue that brought that put made kickoffs in danger in the NFL was a health and safety issue, right? Really, really big, fast guys running down the field, crashing in at full speed into other really big, fast guys. Shocking. That led to disproportionate amount of injuries. So, you know, all they did was minimize that play, which has now turned it into the most boring play in football. And, you know, in the CFL, they, they haven't gone that direction. You know, the, the physics in the CFL are a little, uh, gentler and kinder than they are in the NFL because you've got smaller players on a bigger field. So there's there's actually just the physics is in your favor for the game to be a little bit safer. And and kick returns is such a huge part of the CFL game because of the big field, right? As a people, 
it's the, the, some of the greatest highlights in, in the CFL is, is are games where you have multiple kick returns for touchdowns. And then you look at what the XFL did, and they managed to preserve the kickoff and make it safe. Like I, I thought, it, I thought it was brilliant. I, I, and I, I, I really, I mean, objectively, when you compare it to what the NFL is doing right now, you know, like watching kicks sail through the end zone, and you know, guys just you know, kind of <laughs> turn their palms upward and jog off to the sideline. I mean, that why is that yeah. an acceptable play? It, it shouldn't be, especially when you combine it with you know having the fair catch on punts. That's a lot of guys either receiving footballs and like handing it to the official or watching football sail over their heads and, you know, running off to the sideline. Kind of wasted plays. Wasted yeah, plays, for sure. Plays yeah. with nothing. Plays with nothing. Yeah. yeah. And with, with the, the NFL, can get away with it. With the, but, you know, sorry. <laughs> with the, I love the pizza analogy, Dave. Then So then I have a question on that. So would you say the rouge is the pineapple on pizza of football? <laughs> it It is. Yeah. Or it's the, the anchovies. I don't know which, version. right? It's like, you know, like I love this Canadian football. Actually, it is. It's more the anchovies, right? This is even among CFL fans. I get That's a lot of you get a lot of this, right? Like, oh, I love I love the Canadian game. Absolutely love the Canadian game. It's way better. Except that single point, right? That's and it's it's kind of like the anchovy. Man, I love so and so's pizza. It's great. Just no anchovies. It's the same thing, right? It's the, it, and it is still really a sticky point. I actually am okay with the one point, um, because in the like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, like the whole argument against it is you could win a game by missing a field goal on the last play. Yeah. Like you could have a team line up, you know, boop, you know, that was it. Um, and the. I guess my argument against it is that so rarely happens. Like I have to, it, it has happened, but it's not like you see that, you know, once a week or even once a season, it is so rare. And of course with the deep end zone, if somebody does miss, you, you guys have probably seen one of those plays where somebody grabs it and kicks it back out and then they kick it back in. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, the game just, I, I remember being at a game with somebody who hadn't watched a lot of Canadian football and the game ended like that. And they just turned to me and said, what <laughs> in God's name just happened. Right. Cause it's like all of a sudden, a sport that they'd recognized for three hours turned into something that they didn't recognize at all. Right. And so, um, so I'm, I'm actually probably still, still pro rouge. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, I might be too. I, if, if they throw that into what the XFL rule book was, I'd be all for it. Just well, add they, that. And the historians will tell you that kind of, if you look at the evolution of football, there was kind of a, it, it kind of rewarded field position sort of was, I guess is kind yeah. of as part of the way that, that, that it was seen, you know, if you go back to the, I'm excited to watch the, the CFL century. this season. I'm excited to watch the CFL this season with Brian. It's his first season. He's paying attention to the most anticipated CFL season in XFL history. It's going to be that a lot line. of fun. Well, that, I love that. That line. was you, after the most uh, CFL. What is it? The most anticipated CFL, CFL week in XFL history. CFL draft. <laughs> the yeah. CFL, most anticipated <laughs> yep. CFL draft. Exactly. Yeah. Now, who are you guys? Who are you guys following? It, it obviously, from where you sit, it's probably easier to pick a team to follow and then sort of follow the leagues on the back of that. Have you, have you guys got a team that's, for each of you? That's what I did a few years ago. I I followed the writers. Gotcha. On, uh, when I was hosting a radio show in Lafayette, Louisiana, okay. I'd give obligatory updates on the Rough Riders that no one cared about down okay. in Louisiana. Okay, lots bit. of Southerners and on I, the Rough Riders. They got lots of Alabama yeah. guys, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think, in fairness to the show, I, I shouldn't pick the Marcus Rough Riders just because it gives us a little bit more of a, a right. More exp- I don't know. And they have I, enough I, fans. I, you may know that. <laughs> now I'm thinking I might go with the elk just because, or elks, excuse me, just because they're new. I'm new. Let's just go new together. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, maybe I'll put my uh, my allegiance out there on Twitter and put it on a poll or something. Get, we'll the, the, the elks, at least, you know, it's it's uh, you'd be jumping on the new brand, right? 
and uh, and and riding with that. It's funny, you know, when we talk about the popularity of CFL teams, the, the popularity of fans in Saskatchewan, and, and you guys probably are aware of this. It, it's such it, it's such a monster in this country, right? Like even sometimes at TSN, we're like, hey, we can put up a poll, you know, for what's the greatest Grey Cup team of all time, and we're like, yeah, and the fi- the responses would be the first five teams would all be just like. I don't think they want, you know, like the top three will be Saskatchewan. You know what I mean? Just because they, the engagement yeah. of the fans. And, um, I, I, you know, I go down to Mexico on, on, when I get to vacation, which I haven't for a while. But when you, when you go down to the beach in Mexico and there's guys, you know, selling stuff, which is unlicensed and that they make and, you know, whatever. And, but it's, but it's obviously market driven, right? It, all they, they, they have no agenda other than what will sell. What can we make mm-hmm. turn into cash on the beach in Mexico? And you look at it and you see uh, you know, Steelers, you know, Patriots, Cowboys, Rough Riders. That's what sells. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Right? Just, oh, just, just know that as you're making your decision before August 5th. We'll definitely have that decision in place. What a season it's going to be, Dave. Thanks again, man. Always there. Uh, And I'm sure we'll have you uh, a few more times here before we try to figure out exactly what the heck this all means for the XFL and the CFL. Well, guys, thanks for keeping it light and keeping it fun because there's been enough days uh, in the last 19 months that have not been that light and fun uh, when it comes to to the Canadian Football League that it's great that we can have a laugh and, and speculate about the future and get ready to enjoy the season. You guys are going to love it. 